0: Hey, Scott, what you doing?
1: I'm putting together an encounter for the Monday Night Game. Cool. Yeah, check this out. If the party talks to the tavern keeper, they'll learn about a treasure map he has. Ah. Yep. If they don't, then a bar fight will break out where they could kill an aristocrat's son. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. If they do, then his father will send bounty hunters to kill the party. Yikes. Yep, pretty dope. If they don't, then they will potentially make friends with the aristocrat's son And he will hire them for an adventure.
0: Um, One problem. Yeah. What if they don't go to the tavern? Oh. Um. Sounds like you're over-preparing. Put down that three-ring binder, and let's talk about five habits of a good DM this week on the Dungeon Master's Dojo.
2: Greetings and salutations, fellow DMs, GMs, referees, judges, game operation directors, and all other varieties of storyteller. I am Lou, and these are your Dungeon Masters. I'm Scott. And I'm Bill. Welcome back to the dojo.
1: How's everything going, guys? Great. I'm on my second drink.
0: Um, coincidentally, so am I. Me too. It's almost like we make them at the same time.
2: So... There's some universal habits of a good DM, wouldn't you agree? Absolutely, without a doubt. Why don't you lead us into those?
1: Okay. Um, I think Bill will agree with me when I say this, but preparation is very important. I but
0: don't I don't know. Let me check my notes. It, <laughs>
1: <laughs> but not too much, right? You can overprepare. So it, it's, a fu- it's kind of a fine line. You know, you're walking the tightrope.
0: Yeah, absolutely. The format you and I use a lot is an outline, bullet points. Yeah. Set set your scenario and your encounters up on bullet points, a few details here and there. It more often than not, that's all we need to trigger everything else that we have already stored in what I call the dusty Rolodex of a brain. You're not locked into the dialogue that you have printed out before you.
1: Yeah, those boxes. You know, remember remember the old modules? And I don't know if they still do that, but they have the dialogue boxes yeah, where you yeah. read that. It's like a pick your path adventure book, which were great, but three read, roll,
2: please. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but you're hit, you're reading it out to the whole party and you can see them, their eyes glaze over, you know, someone's absentmindedly eating M&Ms. Mm-hmm. Of course, And it's just, it's a huge waste of time. I think it really is
0: that, and it's not as organic. It definitely yeah. feels a lot better when you're kind of doing it off the top of your head or seemingly. Like I said, you throw the bullet points out there just so you know you stay on track, but then just kind of go with the flow of the table at the moment, and and then you can expound all you want.
1: And, and that's practice and experience. So if you're a brand new DM, and that sounds intimidating because it does when you're sure. brand new, yeah. you just do it anyway and practice. You know you you're not gonna you're not gonna be great your first time around. Oh, You'll you have, have your victories, yeah, but you're not, you're not
0: gonna hit it all at the ballpark. Everyone's gonna go, "Wow, that was awesome!" Yeah. and if they do, great. Yeah, you, you have a skill, dude. Uh, but you're right; they're not. You know, make yourself your notes, and if they have to put a little bit more detail in than the next guy, fine. Then, then do so.
1: I think there's some key things to know um, when you're preparing your your adventure, either the entirety of the campaign, or just an evening's worth of gameplay, you know, so know your NPCs, right? How important are they Mm -hmm. to the story? And listen to our NPC podcast. It's coming soon. Know your PCs. So that's knowing all your players at the table. And that's really, really, really important. You got to know your players. Mm -hmm. Um, If you play with the same group, then that's a lot easier than if you're doing a couple games at the local game store, right? So we're fortunate. We've been playing with many of the same people for decades, almost the entirety of our time playing the game. You know, I most of the people, most of the older people in our group, I've been playing with since the '80s. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's easy. I I I know what Lou is going to do. Something's going to blow up. I don't even know what I'm going to do. <laughs> Something's going to be yeah, set aflame. But see,
2: we do. That's yeah. the that's the funny part.
1: So know your PCs. Uh, and know the characters behind them. We talked about that outline, but I think really that's all you need. You just need that outline. You need Mm -hmm. some monster stats, some NPC stats, but an outline with bullet points.
0: Well, I mean, a couple notes off to the side. You want names of people and places. Keep tabs of appropriate magic for the level of scenario and whatever magic saturation you have for your particular campaign or world. We run a magic light world. Be consistent in doing so. But when you do that, that's part of your preparation, too. Yep. All right, here's here's the layer. Here's the cash. Here's the chest. What's in it? Okay. Uh, all right, I'm going to go to the back of the book and roll a random chart on my layer, whatever. No, no don't do that crap.
1: That bogs down the gameplay so it, it, much. It
0: does. Ju- ahead of time. You know there's going to be a small amount of coin in there. Right, you don't have to write it down. Just okay. There's fifteen gold, ten silver, and uh, three and a half coppers. And that one half looks like it was bitten in half. If nothing else, just to have them wonder why it was bitten in half. Then say, okay, but there is also this really old, crusty, not rusted, but a certain patina dagger, or chalice, or mirror, whatever other magic item you want to throw in there. It. Whether it's a homegrown or something out of the you know out of the books. But make sure you know ahead of time what it's going to be, because a lot of times that you can use that as part of your plot driving. Your plot driving is that you need to have that magic item, or someone in your party is going to need it later on. Make sure you got the right stuff in the right place at the right time.
1: Have a map, mm-hmm. um, or two, or three. You know, we have, um, and and I'll do quick maps, but usually, you know, when when Bill and I are building a, um, a campaign, uh, that's, that's kind of in Bill's wheelhouse. He's the map guy. Um, but have that map, have that map, uh, handy of the world that you're playing in, because that's important. People are going to want to know where in the world they are. Have a map handy of that, that general location they're in, and then have a map of various areas of your, your adventure for the night. So that could only be one map. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and that map you could use for several sessions, but have a map because they're going to want to know. You may have to transfer that map to a battle map. You know, you may have to move some terrain or some minis around around that. So it's good to know where everything lies. I think a map is 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 a, a big help and absolutely nece- uh, an absolute necessity well, too.
0: I'm, we've used it a number of times. How many times we put up this massive poster sized map that yeah. I printed out of a continent. And it has highlights in it, and as things develop in the game over the years, I add them to the map, and it's printed on, you know, the eight and a half by ten or eight and a half by eleven sheets. I will pull out that one sheet that is altered and tape on the new one because it has something added to it. But it's in color and it's sitting on the wall for everyone to reference. Everyone loves the maps.
1: Yeah, they they bring your your world to life. Mm-hmm. so someone can look at the map and go okay we're here and now i can get an idea of what what the land looks like
0: and how long it's going to take yeah uh, i'm we're at point a and i need to get to point b and point b is um okay on our map i have hexes they're lightly there but you can see them and they're like okay it's over here and it's 15 hexes away now how far is that it's 50 miles per hex. That's roughly four days travel per hex. Oh, oh um, that that's that's far.
1: Yeah, and that gives perspective too. It's, mm-hmm. we're not going to get to our destination the meat of the campaign for four days. but there's a lot of stuff that could happen with, within that, that four day time period and that's stuff to have in, in your outline as well.
0: Unless of course the story says, okay, you traveled for four months. Now you find yourself outside the city walls of where you're going to go. Yeah, I mean, yeah, just you don't have to bog down your gameplay with travel.
1: It's not necessary unless that's part
0: of what you're what you're trying to accomplish.
1: I think knowing when in the setting's timeline your adventure is taking place, because that the history of the uh, campaign setting can be an integral part of your. Your inventory, your campaign—that
0: is for our world.
1: It, yeah, and um, you know, knowing where for our characters, knowing where they fall in that timeline, how many years have have gone by since certain world events occurred, is important because when those, you know, when the outcomes of those world events, uh, they start encountering those. There was a war between uh, or a battle between uh, the forces of evil and the forces of good. So there was a portal that was open, and demonic entities came through, and angelic entities came through, and fortunately the good guys won, but some of the bad guys were trapped on the other side, and that's how the tieflings uh, arrived in our world. They were Mm -hmm. the product of whatever was left over from that big battle.
0: We call them something else in our world. Yeah,
1: and then there was a, a campaign against those entities to eradicate them, but still some tieflings were, were born and uh, entered the world. But that plays a huge role in how the world sees these particular uh, hybrids. And, well,
0: that, and as you're traveling, the scars in the world that were left by these wars, these battles, these encounters, not necessarily the portal, but when two armies clash, that countryside is ravished for yeah. decades.
1: Yeah. And, and that's that's just flavor, Mm -hmm. you know, for, for the campaign setting, but it has a great bearing on when in the timeline that your campaign is taking place. One of the things I, I do, and and I'll do this the entire year, I'll visualize how I, I see the campaign playing out. So I'll be in my car driving to work and uh, it's probably not the safest thing to do, (laughs) but you know, I'll let my mind wander to every single aspect of the game and, you know, the, 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 description and you know, what drama I want to build where
0: now I have gotten more than one phone call from Scott as he's on the road going, I missed my exit. I was like, Oh, it, working on the campaign again, huh? Yeah, yeah.
1: Connecticut somewhere. Or I don't know. <laughs> Cape. Oh, see Cape Cod. Uh, it happens. Um,
0: Bill, I was on 95 and now I'm on 93. How yeah. <laughs> backtrack six exits, buddy.
1: Yeah. But the visualization works. Yes. Um, and that's one of those things I do often to to prepare, and it, it does it does have its drawbacks, certainly. And um, that I am uh, sometimes tardy, and oftentimes lost, <laughs> um, and I find myself uh, uh, talking to someone who's not there, but is one of the PCs in the voice of a villain. And I think that I think people when they pull up beside me. They may find that disturbing. I hope they think that I'm talking on the phone and I have a Bluetooth in, but uh, a lot of times they'll roll their windows up and they'll tell their children not to make eye contact. <laughs> uh, so I guess time and place is important for that too. Let's move
0: on to the next point. Thinking on the fly, a.k.a. ad living.
1: That is, uh That is a skill every good DM should have because your players are going to throw stuff out there that you have not visualized in your mind's eye as happening. Um, it 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 will easily derail your plans as a DM and potentially the campaign or the adventure if you don't mm-hmm. know and practice the art of ad libbing
0: Now they're right there. The the most important word of that entire diatribe was practice. You gotta practice Th- this is this is something that a rare few can do right from the get go. Try it. Even if it fails repeatedly, just keep doing it. Now, there are some ways to kind of hedge your bet a little bit, right? Have a few extra encounters ready. Even if you just jot them down, again, bullet points, story-specific as well as non-story-specific encounters, but have a cache of three, four, five, six. These are transplantable. You can put them anywhere. But have them ready just in case you need them. Now, like I said, some will help drive the story, but some of them won't. Some of them are just there to fill the space, give the character something to do. Uh, someone has to go up to the bathroom. You don't want to break the the momentum of the table. Have, you know, a rabbit bounce out in front of the trail. They've been looking for game. And inevitably, someone with a bow is going to try to shoot the rabbit. Have,
1: have the rabbit dodge the arrow. Or whoever has a battle axe will throw it. But yeah, either just, way. Uh,
0: but I mean, stupid little things like that to help keep things going. But you have these ready, you know. Think them out, like you said. Think them out ahead of time, and but just it's it's not going to really have any effect on on the story, the scenario, the outcome at all. But it's there, or it may. And you just well, don't realize it. Well, I, yeah. I, I, we've talked many a times about how these little these little incidences suddenly grow a life of their own. And, and that's great. If they do, fantastic. Run with it. You know, Put some notes down and say, I'm going to use this. This is going to be, every time these guys stop, this rabbit's going to keep popping out in front of them. And no matter what they throw at it, they fireballed this damn rabbit and there's a crater and the rabbit comes out of the damn crater how the hell is this rabbit still surviving and they may never ever know
1: i travel to our week long game with uh, 25 just spare encounters mm-hmm. and uh because sometimes they do this. sometimes people will go your your players will go faster than you thought and you got to throw a little something in there a weather event you know a rogue bunny rabbit whatever have you mm-hmm. and it'll slow things down or it's it's a good it's a good space filler if you know if someone's uh, going out and uh, uh, paying the pizza guy because the worst thing you can ever do in a game is slow momentum down.
0: Especially if everyone's like in the zone and yeah. cranking. and yeah, the bell rings and you look over and go, "Hey, go get that," because you know this particular player doesn't have anything going at the moment. Maybe they're unconscious. Maybe they're they've gone off to do some hunting. They you know they've separated themselves from the group temporarily. Hey, here's twenty bucks. Go pay the pizza guy. You know, and and he goes take care. But meanwhile, you've got this thing going, and if you have to pause long enough uh, for this one one particular point. That's a good time to throw one of these little these little micro-encounters in. Um, minor monsters, uh, happenstance. Uh, gee, I'm listening to the woods. Do I hear anything? Do you hear cracking wood. I hear cracking wood? Yes. Sounds like, you know, maybe yeah, the splintering of wood as if something really heavy is is just cracking something over its knee. And I'm going to look around. What do I see? You see a tree falling. I do. Yes. Right at you. I'm diving out of the way. Okay, it crashes to the ground. What pushed it over? Nothing. It was old and rotted. and by the way, it did make a sound.
1: I think one of the other other things with thinking on the fly, uh, the dice can be very, very uh, helpful with that. You know, uh, let them inspire the description of the outcome. I love uh, critical misses mm-hmm. and critical hits.
0: that we have a table that we use on occasion. Um, this is something that I've yeah, had concocted. Look
1: for it. It'll be out there and available for download.
0: I've had it concocted for some time. There is uh, a large number of critical hits and critical fumbles based on bludgeoning weapons, cutting weapons, uh, magic. And they. we always give the table the option of using it because sometimes this stuff is fairly minor, and sometimes it is not. not. There is more than one Character that has walked around missing a limb or a deformed section of face, uh, <laughs> yeah. And sorry, I, Andrew. Sorry, Andrew. Yeah, it's, it's,
1: it's, for it's, the missing limb and, and the, the deformed, deformed portion a, of the face and, and, and the, the caved-in head
0: <laughs> with the loss of several intelligent points.
1: Sorry for everything. <laughs> it
0: was it was a really bad night and my dice were hot. So yeah, thinking on the fly. It's it's a skill that needs to be developed. Uh, if you have the uncanny ability to come up with this stuff, great. Um, you are a gaming prophet. Uh, enjoy it. But for everyone else, practice.
1: Practice, 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 practice,
0: practice, and like I said, you know, put put your little encounters, put your little things aside that you can throw out there just in case. So it looks like you're pulling stuff out of the, the hat, but it's all part of preparation.
1: And when opportunity knocks, throw open the door. You know, mm-hmm. dial up the drama when the opportunity is there. We were, we were finishing the climax of a game a couple years ago, and the, the PCs were on an island, and the island was phasing back into the, the realm that it it originated from, and they were trying to get off the island. And they found an old, old machine built by gnomes, and our, our gnome in the party... Was trying to repair it because they had just escaped these these golem-like creatures because the uh, barbarians stayed ahead to or stayed behind to fight them off so the rest of the party could could make their escape. Meanwhile, the um, the fighter cleric is battling it out with a beholder, and our librarian. <laughs> who's a little on the roguey side was assisting the the gnome in his repairs and was also uh, dragging the severely wounded into the vessel so there was this this peak of peak of drama that was hitting and as things are going really, really bad for the uh, the, the the fighter cleric the barbarian bursts on scene Covered in blood, ripped to shreds, ten hit points left, and uh, he enters into the, enters into the fray, and and the cleric ends up uh, blowing him up, not the barbarian, but the <laughs> beholder, um, mangling both of them very 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 badly. So we had uh, them limping back with one and two hit points each, and the gnome is fortunately got the machine working but he was down to a couple hit points himself and they made their uh made their grand escape only to meet an awaiting uh contingent of of more bad guys on the beach as they were they were uh rushing towards the vessel that was going to get them off the island in its entirety so build that drama up there was tension uh people were watching the dice rolls like they were about to lose their, their mortgage at, you know, at the <laughs> casino. Um, take those opportunities. Those are good opportunities. Don't let them be wasted. And practice. Don't expect you're going to be awesome at it the first go around. If you are, great. If not, no big deal. Practice makes perfect. Dramatic
0: pause. All right, so the next point, getting your, your player's input. And this is not necessarily during the game. What I like to do is I'll converse with my players before the game starts and after the game, and I'll listen to them and I, hey, did you have a good time?" More often than not, they'll they're gonna come right out and say, listen, uh, this part was cool, that part was cool, this seemed a little slow. They will they will just start spilling their guts about what they liked and disliked during the gameplay. And that's feedback. That's really, really good feedback.
1: And that's how you improve.
0: Right. You don't have to necessarily sit there and, and with a pencil and paper going, oh, could you repeat that one more time? I don't know. How did you spell that? Um, listen to what they're saying. Get the gist of it. You don't need it word for word. What worked, what didn't work. And go with that. And I will talk to a couple of players as the session ended. And then I'll talk to a couple of different players the next week before it starts. Because that's the important part right there. What did they remember? What What was so fantastic or bad that they remembered it all the way to the next week where they wanted to pick up or avoid where they left off? While they're playing, they're playing a character. They're not necessarily analyzing what they're doing. They're doing what their character does. But the player is going to tell you my character liked this. I like this. My character was pissed off at that person. Um, it really liked this. This encounter was great. Oh, why the hell did you throw that? That was stupid. Take that information because that's going to be very, very valuable for you from your, your player's input point.
1: And, and really, Bill, you're just not going to get better if you don't talk to your players. No, it's just no. not going to happen.
0: All it is is a narrative. And they don't want a narrative. They
1: want a story. Yeah, they want a game. They want to add to that narrative themselves. Mm -hmm. Um, And and your, your session zero is, I think, the foundation of this dialogue. You know, you start off with that session zero. What are you looking for? What do you like? You know, what's off limits? This is a social contract we're building here with everybody at the gaming table. And then you have that foundation so you can go back and talk to them. I have never, ever, ever been at a gaming table where people don't show up early or stay a little late. Oh yeah, yeah, and that's a perfect opportunity to to shoot the breeze.
0: And more often than not, there's certain people that show up early, and there's certain people that stays late, and it's not always the same people.
1: Right, and that's the perfect opportunity to get that player input mm-hmm. on what they liked, what their character liked, what what they want to see more of. You know, ask them that. Um, you can are, even, you can even bait them. You can bait them into it.
0: Hey, do you like those monsters homebrewed Were they tough enough for you or just a candy ass wimp? You'll hear all about their monsters.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, and when we go away, Bill and I will sit down and have a few drinks while all the players go and play board games or just sit around and, and, and shoot the breeze. And, and we hear him talk about what, what they liked. So it's like, okay, well, I know this guy, this guy likes a lot of action. This guy likes his backstory to be brought in. You know, this one um, really likes the role play aspect of it. You know, he feeds into the story. So, you know, just even through casual listening, dropping eaves, if you will, that what your players really like. But you don't often have to do that because gamers will tell you what they like.
0: Oh, they'll come right out. Yeah. Yeah. But there are some things they will say to each other that they may not say in front of you. right? And like I said, the two of us, this is a tactic we've used a lot. We'll just kind of sit at the bar and quietly look at each other. And we know just from a glance, you know, what we're doing. Yeah. This, this is a, a tactic we use often. And we know when to use it. And we'll just kind of look at each other and take a glass raise and just kind of do a quick little nod over to the table there and we'll sit there and and, and quietly have an, an you know a a soft conversation
1: and they assume because we're old that we're deaf and my hearing is actually quite good we just have selective hearing what yeah
0: no no really I mine's not that good I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm actually
1: <laughs> buy into those those backstories too mm-hmm. those backstories that you get from from your players. Um, however long or short they are, that's that's player input too. This is this is where I came from, this is where I hope to be, um, and this is this is the direction I'm building towards.
0: It's a fantastic resource, and it's it's from the player themselves, and as they're writing it by themselves, that's the that's the core of their essence. That's that's everything. That's their, that's their whole character is that that backstory, and the nice long ones, which most of our group have a tendency to write, nearly a book. There is a lot of stuff packed in there, and you look for the stuff that's repeated in that backstory. And that's when you know that's a point that they're trying to drive. Grab it, run with it, throw it at them, you know, drive some nails through it so it sticks, and huck it at them like crazy, and they will love it.
1: Well, it is Tuesday night. And Tuesday night is Jell-O night at Shady Pines. And that happens to be Bill's favorite night of the week is Green Jell-O night. So let's give Bill an opportunity to go have a little dish of green Jello, and we'll get back to you as soon as we can. Mm,
0: lemon lime.
1: In celebration of one year of podcasting, we are holding a giveaway of epic proportions. Everything you need to get started running games. Four dice trays, 12 complete sets of dice, four crown royal bags, the D&D Essentials Kit, the D&D Starter Kit, Horde of the Dragon Queen D&D Adventure, the Young Adventurers Collection, Nerdarchies, Out of the Box Encounters, Brass and Steel Steampunk Tabletop RPG, OSR Greats, The Rad Hack, Into the Odd, and White Box Fantastic Medieval Adventure Game. But that's not all. The Curse of Strahd Revamped is included as well. This complete list goes to one lucky winner in the U.S. Here's how to enter. Head on over to Apple Podcasts or Podchaser and leave a review. Leave a comment as well. Then, go to our Facebook page and like it. Finally, stop by our webpage thedungeonmastersdojo.com forward slash about and leave us a message once we hit 500 on each we will draw a winner you must do all three to qualify we'll see you next time in the dojo How was that Jell-O, Bill?
0: They gave me a damn spork. Who uses a spork for Jell-O?
1: Yeah.
0: A spork. Yeah. Last time I used a spork was for my coleslaw at Colonel At Sanders. Lunch. Well, oh, yeah, okay. You got me there.
1: All right. So So let's get going before it's your bedtime.
0: <laughs> <laughs> hey, Scott, it's about your players, not about you. <laughs> it sure is. Okay, as the game master, it's your responsibility to provide an enjoyable and fulfilling story. All right. The idea is to challenge your play, you know, your players, not beat them. It's not a game. All right. So, it, no matter what your story is, make it about your characters. We talked a lot about backstory. We talked a lot about getting your player input. This is where you you implement it. You know, take little bits of black, especially if those backstories are similar, or you can find a way to blend two backstories together. That's going to bond your characters together, hopefully whether it's good or bad whether they like each other or dislike each other is another matter. Um we've already said that conflict is drama and drama is good. Yep. Um so that's part of making it enjoyable. They're going to remember the arguments just as well as the you know the, the successful combats.
1: Yeah, and probably uh more so than. Yeah. <laughs> um some of some of the greatest moments at my uh my my table was interparty conflict. It was it was great fun to watch. <laughs> I think, I think every, every DM or everyone aspiring to be a DM should ask themselves one question. And that's, that's why, you know, why, why do you want to be the DM? Why do you want to run the game? And, And if the answer is because you want, you want to beat the players, you want to play adversary, then, then it's really not for you.
0: Yeah. You shouldn't be, you should be a player.
1: Yeah. You should just, just stay the player and, and, you know, call it a day because in reality it's not your game. It's it's the players' game.
0: It's the table's game.
1: Yeah, we've mentioned
0: this before. You're only one part of the narrative. Your entire table is the rest of it. You're just driving the narrative.
1: Yeah, you're really really just another player at the table. It's just that your role in the game is different than the rest of the players. Well put. You know, so in, in reality, you're you're really not all that special. Not until the not until the players kind of express their appreciation by having a really good time. If your players have a good time at the game you're running, then that's when you kind of become special.
0: There's there's a quote that I don't know who said it. It wasn't me, but if you're good, you're willing to tell everybody. But if you're great, they're going to tell you.
1: Yeah. And that's absolutely and, the truth. And
0: that's what you're you're striving for. You don't go out there, "Man, I'm the best game master you guys have ever had." Tell a good story, put a good put a good adventure together. And when they say, "Man, you are awesome." That's when you know you're a good DM. That's when you know you You have good habits. You've put together a story, a scenario that they enjoy and want to keep coming back to play. Be adversarial, and it's not me against you. Player character character deaths are going to happen. Yeah, they are. Um, It doesn't happen a lot. There are workarounds and things like that, but they're going to happen once in a while. But that's not your goal. Your goal is right. not to kill the characters unless you come right out and say, okay, this is a one shot. And the whole idea is to say, who, who's the last one standing? Cause I am going to try to F you guys up tonight.
1: And that's, and that's okay. Yeah. If it's put they, right out there right, and everybody right, right. knows that, but, but you that, know?
0: but that's not, you, when you're talking a scenario, you're talking multiple weeks and sometimes months, years like we've done. The goal is not to kill them. Okay. maiming is fine. Dismembering, all right. But if the characters are backed into a hole, be ready to provide a workaround for them.
1: And and sometimes, no matter what you do, the dice just don't go your way or their, their way.
0: way. Well, I know how he said first your way.
1: Well, that's that's the situation <laughs> I'm most used to. Well, and, I, and you're going to get a character death. It it, it it's going to happen
0: more often on my table than yours.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's it's less. Uh, I have been less, known to dangerous, I horribly,
0: mind. horribly kill people. Well, the dice have been known to horribly, horribly kill people.
1: Player death is a whole episode unto itself, so <laughs> I'm reluctant to get into that and go down that rabbit hole, but we're going to do one on that, Yeah. so keep your eyes open, open for that. But, yeah, player death sucks because there is – the more you play a, a character – there becomes that emotional investment. And if you are, are blessed with the kind of quality players that Bill and I have, and there's a group of like 16 of us, mm-hmm. and they're just fantastic. When one of their characters dies as a GM, I feel terrible. And the other characters at the table feel bad too. Because right. they've grown attached to this other player's character.
0: It's even worse when we do it on purpose. Yeah.
1: And not and, uh, nah, we never kill anybody on purpose except well, an NPC football. that we own. Yes. But people get really upset about that, and strong words are exchanged. Strong, hurtful words are exchanged, Lewis. Well, that's
2: because I wasn't ready for it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he seen it coming, and he couldn't stop it.
1: But when you have that emotional investment in the game, you know you're really doing a, a, a good job at running the table because the characters are, or the players are not just invested in their character but the other characters and the game itself, and that's a good thing.
0: All right, let's move on to the next point. You like running the game.
1: That's essential. Yeah. Why do it if you don't like it?
0: Well, that's just it. Like, like you said, if, if you're there and you're adversarial, then it's not for you. If you aren't going to put the effort in, it's not for you. The challenge is putting together a scenario for your friends. Have them play through it. Watch as they navigate over, around, and through the encounters, and they should be enjoying themselves as they play because they're playing for themselves and they're playing for you as well. I mean, yep. they're they know you you put this together. You put the effort to to put this whole thing together. And you're trying to make it enjoyable for them. And if they have a good time, you have a good time. And if you're having a good time, then you're a good DM. And if you're not having a good time or they're making you do it because no one else wants to, you either rise to the challenge or try to find someone else. Try to say, all right, it's your turn. Right? I, I, This is as far as I can take it. And hopefully someone will step up and you go into a round robin or, or something like that.
1: But Hopefully. Hopefully. Doesn't always happen that way. Rise up, Scott. <laughs> It's your time, Lewis. Do you like
2: being a GM? I love being Then it's a yours. GM. I love it. You can have it. It's all yours. You're the greatest. Thank you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Where the... Wow. I mean, just... it It's your wit against the combined resources of the entire group. That's my challenge. As a game master, that's what I drive. It's me. Just me. And I have six, eight... We've had ten people sitting at the table. Yeah, And there's... There's all these different people working together, more often than not, it wouldn't look that way sometimes, but you are pitting your wits against a group of people. Do they know where they're going? And the trick is to leave hints. Don't just arbitrarily go, oh, nope, 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 you don't see anything, you don't see anything, you don't see anything, ta-da, here it is. Uh, that, that sucks. It's not a good story. You need to leave the leave the breadcrumbs, leave the trail, see who follows it. See if, if one person sees a few crumbs over here and this person sees a few crumbs and that person sees a few crumbs, are they sharing it? Are they putting it together? Now they're working together. And see if you can pit your wits against a large group of intelligent individuals and see if you can keep them, A, entertained, and see if you can keep them on the path. That's what I derive from it as a game master.
1: So the question I guess you really have to ask is, how do you know you like running the game? It's a love for running the game. So, you know, when you love something, whatever it is, sports, whatever hobby, painting, when you do it, you do it often, and you you end up doing it well because you become more practiced at it. One of the other ways to know is, like, when my my fun begins at the table, when I see the players collectively enjoying themselves, Mm -hmm. you know, when they're they're smiling or laughing or they're engaged, that's how – that's when my fun starts, and I really, really enjoy it. When you're sitting around thinking of ways to uh, draw your PC's backstories into it too, a lot of times I'll do that, and sometimes my mind will wander away from a conversation I'm having with my significant other, <laughs> and I'm thinking, hmm, how could I bring Graven's backstory into this game? And she's looking at me going, where did you go? I said, well, I was just actually, I was thinking about Graven, and who's Gravin? Well, Gravin's the, uh, the 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 gnome gunslinger that we have in our in our long game every year in February. You know, I mentioned him before, right? Remember, we bought that set of dice, and she's like, "Never mind, <laughs> just let me know when you're back." He's geeking out. Yeah, but when you when you think of those things a lot, and you know you're really really into into running the game, you know that's that's when you know you're probably the you're the best personality for. Being a DM or a GM. It doesn't even have to be Dungeons and Dragons. It could be any other. Any other game. Yeah, any, any, other o- game. any
0: other game where you spend time. I don't know how many times my wife has come downstairs and I have I have a couple tracks that I play when I'm writing or I'm building monsters. Yeah, me or too. I'm, or I'm map, map building. And she'll come downstairs and she'll hear these tracks going and she'll be talking to me. I hear nothing. And she'll just shake her head. And if she came down with dinner... Or so, I, all of a sudden I'll look over and there'll be a plate next to me. I'm like, oh, shit. She's, <laughs> yeah, but we've been together for 30 plus years. She knows now. She knows if she hears that music and especially if I have the headphones on, she will just come down and I'll, I'll just all of a sudden a, mad, a beer will magically appear next to me. The beer fairy visited me and left a beer.
1: See, that's how you stay married to the same person. <laughs> Four thirty. I've been married f- just as long as Bill has, if you count all of my marriages. <laughs> but I don't get basement beers while I'm writing dungeons. There's nothing <laughs> better than to do basement
0: it. beer while you're while you're building NPCs and monsters. Let me tell you, dude. <laughs> okay, so in conclusion, you get to be the storyteller, the narrator, the people, the beasts, the monsters. The wind and stars, the ground beneath the character's feet, embrace the position you find yourself in at the head of the table. Bring your story to life and enjoy as the players bring their characters to life. And when that happens, you know you're a good DM.
2: And those are the five habits of a good GM. That's going to conclude this episode. Thanks for tuning in and listening. Please subscribe to the podcast for more great content. If you'd like to hear a particular topic, you can reach us on Facebook at The Dungeon Masters Dojo, or you can drop us an email at the Dungeon Masters Dojo at gmail.com. Thank you, and have a good day.